TCU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Welcome in, Hoist the Colors. Friday, it is opening day for East Carolina baseball. Are you ready? My voice is not ready. It is a struggle. My voice has apparently left. I've been screaming about opening day, guys, all week long. So much so that my voice has disappeared as we have arrived for that date. Philip Pilkington producing today's show. He's running around. He's getting the camera set up. He's adjusting the uh, the live shots, and uh, he is now running back behind the booth. And we got Joey Football in studio mainly just to help me get through the next hour because he can talk and I cannot. So Joey thanks for Duke, coming in. Joey Baseball and Joey NASCAR. That's right. But we'll I've, get to that. I've got to pick, guys, my favorite NASCAR driver. The last true NASCAR driver I used to root for was Rusty Wallace, and he retired years ago. I tried to get into Kurt Busch, Brad Keselowski in the two-car didn't really work, but we got the Daytona 500 coming up. We're going to have a NASCAR segment every Friday. There we go. And this Friday it will be Daytona 500 preview and picking a new driver. So looking forward to that. But we're talking ECU baseball first, of course. And also, don't you have to eat a shoe? I have to apologize to the people at home. This is going to sound like a cop-out. I will take a rain check. I can push this next Friday. We'll let the people decide. The events that led up to today, I lost both debit cards in a Walmart I misplaced my keys in my house trying to make it over here in time to give the great people the content that they so rightfully deserve. I go sounds like he's been screaming about the Chiefs for the last two and a half weeks into a pillow at night because he knows the Broncos have no chance in the West. That is correct. It's just been a difficult Friday to get to, but we'll get through it. You know, next man up, next job, cliff ball. And to uh, for those who aren't familiar, you said I did. We were doing our Super Bowl props last mm-hmm. week, the discussion. You said Little John would not appear. I said, and I quote, if Little John appears at the Super Bowl halftime show, I will eat my shoe. And we're going to hold you to that. I'm, I understand. And it was going to happen today, it but was. this crazy debit card story, I don't know if we're buying it. Hey, you, you can ask around anybody who lives in my apartment currently. <laughs> Who's that? Uh, my little brother and then our roommate. Okay. True. We'll try to get some verification. We're live on YouTube, Facebook. If you got a question, drop it there. We'll get to it throughout the next hour. Philip, happy opening day, man. Happy opening day, gentlemen. Sorry that I don't have the camera on me yet. I'm uh there we go. Sorry, I was in there. There he is. No, sorry, I was I was making our East Coast Agency Pirate of the Week graphic right now. So uh happy opening day, gentlemen. It's a uh special day in sports. It's uh like Christmas morning, always opening day, especially for Pirate Baseball. I'm excited. Trey Savage taking the mound for the Pirates today, and uh we could have a historical day in college baseball today. Fingers crossed for that, and we'll hear from the player that could be making history later in the show. Nice teaser. Professionally done. Good job. That's that WWE talk. He's excited for tonight for SmackDown. Gentlemen, it is 59 degrees, high of 60, a little cloudy. It's baseball weather. And low of 45, but for a February 16th opening day, we will absolutely take that. That's gorgeous. It might as well be 100 degrees. It is so hot compared to what we normally have opening day. The sun's going to be out baking. It's just going to feel warmer. River's going to give us a little humidity. It's going to feel like spring. 
I like this. I like, I like this discussion. All right, a couple of promotions. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about what Philip just said here in a second. Uh, the Patrick Johnson Show will air at 3 o'clock today. He'll have Mike Mullis as a guest. That'll be counting down, of course, to the 4 o'clock first pitch, which will be broadcast on 94.3 The Game. And uh, you can hear Scooter Rogers, Scott Rogers. He has done every interview possible this week. On yeah. every media platform possible, he is ready to finally call some baseball. And we also just confirm Jake Garcia, East Carolina quarterback, will be appearing on the Hoist the Colors show in a uh, about a week and a half, looking at Tuesday, February 27th. He's going to come in the studio. So we talked, of course, with Kaden Hauser, Joe. Now we're going to get to know Jake Garcia, CEO, the CEO himself, <laughs> and we'll get the we'll get the backstory of that. So. So really looking forward to uh, to that. All right, so we'll talk some more baseball. I got an inside nugget on who's hitting leadoff today. So we're going to do that. We're also going to talk about the history we could see. But let's open with some basketball, guys. East Carolina, Mr. Joey Basketball himself, he was in Minji's <laughs> Coliseum last night. The Pirates, with their second consecutive pretty thorough conference win, they take down Wichita State 68-55. And uh, they seem to be trending in the right direction, Joe. They're just handling business, and that's an odd thing to say, obviously, considering the defense and all these kind of mindset switches that we've heard throughout the season and Mark Adams coming in preseason. It wasn't going to be a high-scoring team or a high-scoring affair. They looked the part last night. They looked like a team that held control of possession. They led 31 minutes out of the entire game, took the lead. I want to say it might have been like the ninth minute in the first half and then just never looked back. It was one of those things where the Pirates were in control. You never doubted it. There was a time, actually, where it was my own big mouth once again getting me in trouble. I looked at Igo and said, we might score 80 tonight because, uh, you know, there was six minutes left. I mean, 64 points, but they handled business. They held the tempo. They knew how they had to win. They knew the explosiveness of Wichita that wasn't seen last night but has been put on as far as the season's gone. Brandon Johnson and R.J. Felton combining for over 40 points is always a good thing, especially when you're in these conference games, and now they're looking for their seventh of the year. Yeah, and I want to give a plug in a minute for Sunday's basketball game. We'll get to that and how important that could be for this program. But just look, East Carolina, this program has been – look, it hasn't been what the fans wanted it to be for years now, but – they're beating the teams they should beat. Mm-hmm. And I know that people say, look, the Americans down. And if you look at the net and all the ratings, it's down a little bit. I think your team really have in Houston. Yeah. Like the overall depth of the conference and the ability for anybody to win on any given night is pretty much there. The top half of the conference is good. But ECU beating the teams it should beat in conference play, 6-0 mm-hmm. and against teams beneath them in the conference standings, 0-6 against teams above them. Obviously, that's got to improve. But – you now have six conference wins. They have swept Wichita State and Temple, I believe, for the first time yeah, in program history in both yeah. cases. And they also beat UTSA on the road, took care of business there. You know, you, you can't just go, unless you're USF or Charlotte, apparently. <laughs> look at ECU. It is not easy to win no. and turn a program around, Joe, but we're starting to see signs of this. This is definitely the team that you were anticipating at the beginning of the year. There was a lot of talking points about this team being able to handle what they do defensively and win games like the old school Virginia's used to. And you could see the defensive footprint. You can see they're hanging their hat on that. And then the points come to follow as well. But this is a very different team than the team we saw against Charlotte and the team we saw against USF. They're shooting the ball. They're scoring. I mean, there was one game we sat that we saw R.J. Felton take 28 shots. That's a lot of shots. And he scored 
33% of them, I think, is what he finished with as far as his field goal percentage, and they won that game in overtime against Temple. They're scoring. They're being efficient. Brandon Johnson shooting 50%. I think RJ shot 54% last night. You're, you're being efficient. You're getting to the spot. You're knowing what you have to do. You're seeing some great play out of Seer down low. Pinedo's giving you some good minutes. As the masked man. As far as giving you some plus-minus stuff, you had the assist last night on the bucket to Pettiford on the little give-and-go on, on the pick-and-roll. That's what you need them to do. When you get into these situations, you get late games and you get late season games like we're in now. This is where you want to get hot. If they can keep the hot streak going, who knows how far you can get in the tournament. It's just about winning the next game and surviving and advancing. ECU now 13-12, and 6-6 and six in the American. Again, that ties the all-time mark for ECU. Look, it's not a great stat, but at some point you got to get over that. Six wins is the most they've ever had in the American since entering 2014-15. There's six conference games left. All right. Johnny Robertson says that the 16:04 mark of the second half, the score was Brandon and RJ 30, Wichita State 29. And, yeah, those are your two studs. And yep. let's go ahead and get to the East Coast Agency Pirate of the Week. It is Brandon Johnson, not only for his 21-point effort last night and 10-rebound performance, but his 30-point effort at UTSA last Saturday he has scored, gentlemen, 51 points in his last two games. That is pretty good, especially after three straight games. And he said after last night's game, he really <laughs> kind of got ticked off and motivated from three straight single-digit games. But uh, East Coast Agency brings you our Power of the Week again. It is Brandon Johnson. East Coast Agency is excited to announce the opening of their office in Greenville, North Carolina. Call Drew Moeller at 252-341-8818. Uh, secure your peace of mind with ECA, your trusted protector against uncertainties in North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia, where protection meets peace of mind. We've got you covered. Appreciate Tim Vleet and East Coast Agency for their support of the program. Philip, how important is getting Brandon Johnson back on track to ECU's recent success? It's huge because, you know, the, the identity of this team – is the defense, and it's to play 40 minutes of suffocating defense, which they played about 38 minutes of it last night. Luckily, the two they didn't play were the first two and not the last two. And if you want to be successful when you play suffocating defense for 40 minutes, you still need that guy. Let's look at Virginia teams over the past few years. Kihei Clark, before that Kyle Guy. When they play 40 minutes of suffocating defense, the other team still is going to put runs together, and they need someone to be able to counter those runs. Or someone, when the game is 66-65 with 30 seconds left, you still need that go-to offensive score, even if your identity is defense. Brandon Johnson has scored 51 points in his last two games. He has proven that he can be that guy, and if we can consistently have him be that guy, you have games that come down to the wire, which in the American and any other conference in the country, many of your conference games will come down to the wire. You have that go-to guy, because at the end of the day, no matter how good you are at defense, you still need one guy who you can call on when it matters most. It's been Jaden Gardner in the past. It's been Tristan Newton in the past. Now it's Brandon Johnson. And the unlimited range, guys. He was he made two from the logo last night, Joe. Unconscious. Like when, when he pulled up for that first one, I was like, what is he doing? And then he made it. And I was like, all right, all right. A little heat check. And then he came down for the second. I'm like, this is this is ridiculous. He can't buy. And he hit the second one, and I ate my shoe again. So, you know, foot and mouth disease over here. But me and my big mouth. 
but Brandon Johnson is just scoring. And that's what you want him to do. You want him to take shots. He shoots six three-pointers last night, goes 50% from the, the field for that as well. That's what you need him to do. You need him to take control. Uh, you guys talked about the defense, 55 points last night, the second lowest total Wichita has scored this year, the lowest 52 points also against ECU. So whatever ECU is doing defensively, specifically how they're guarding the ball screen for Wichita State offensively, that has been an issue. The Shockers have not been able to figure out. Zach Williams says Cam Hayes looking better and better. That's big. And, yeah, Cam mm-hmm. at this point, guys, he doesn't even have to be a – I don't think a volume scorer. He just no. has to hit a couple shots and seven points, five assists. Got to clean up some of those things at the end of the game yeah. where he's throwing in, in pressure. I want to see ECU better at the end of the games, closing mm-hmm. out teams. like they, they play a really deliberate pace. They're trying to obviously burn clock, but maybe a little more efficient there because I think that could come back to bite you if you're not a little more careful there, Joe. Absolutely. I We saw the let of 55, and you're going to look at the number. It was lower than that. It might yeah. have been like 48 up until probably about the last two and a half minutes. They were trying to kill the clock, eat a little bit of tempo. You saw them kind of go to a half set at the top of it and let Bobby just kind of dance a little bit. They let Walker dance a little bit, just trying to eat some clock down, get down to 32 or so, and then put something up. That can come back to bite you. If you're an explosive team like Tulane is coming up this weekend, you can't necessarily give them the ball in those situations when you're only up nine. If they would have came down, hit two buckets, all of a sudden it's a five-point game, you foul, you miss two, they come down, hit a three, it's a two-point game with about a minute and ten left. All right, so East Carolina again. Uh, by the way, Zach wants to know, have you eaten your shoe yet? I've so, not eaten my shoe, Zach. I'm so, sorry. So apparently we got the story that he lost his debit cards. Mm-hmm. Still verifying that. But it will happen. It will. I will take a rain check. Now, wait. What does losing your debit cards have to do with eating a shoe? The, the timing of it. I didn't have a chance to go home and get a shoe to eat. So you have a shoe on now, but it's not. You edible. want me to bite my shoe right now? I go. I will do this. But that's going to rob the people uh, of the right moment. I want. I want it to be edible. I that's was reading. Point. I honestly did some research. There are shoes out there that are toxic. Are. So yeah. I don't want you to die. That'd be on your head. Yeah, that would be. Whoa, 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 whoa! Actually, you did. You just say it would be on. Look, no, I go did not make any bet last week about Lil John. He didn't say if Lil John shows up, you have to eat your shoe. That would not be on Igo's head. That would be on your head, Joe. That was your whose you name is behind me, Philip. Doesn't matter. He didn't. Whose name is no, behind me? Don't put that on. Go to heck. No, not cut, put that cut on to the wide shot. shot. Cut to the wide shot. Whose name what. is that? Yeah, but he didn't tell so you you had to eat a shoe right here. On the camera, Stephen Igo is clearly visible. Yeah, but Actually, that's not I'm, on his conscience. He didn't. He never <laughs> even made the bet. <laughs> it wasn't like it was a bet against him. It was just something you said. Yeah, you, 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 you can't put that on this, his conscience if you die. That's understandable. I'm just saying, as a liability issue, his name is quite literally a on liability. The I get what you're saying, and the I'm technicality, saying but I, we are not putting shoe. on Igo's conscience. Looking out for me as my friend, Philip, and saying I don't have to eat a toxic shoe. I eat an edible shoe. Okay. Oh, he's a good friend. It's going to happen. Go. It's, it's going to happen. a matter of when. Exactly. we got a couple YouTube commenters. Again, apologies for the voice. I don't, I don't know what happened. You're uh, screaming about the Broncos. Just, it just okay. randomly disappeared. I guess it's this weather. Speaking of weather, Destry says he's following along from frigid Sheboygan, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, at 21 degrees with a wind chill of 10. G Vegas sounds absolutely glorious today. Let's roll Pirates. Ryan Cole says, I hear you, Destry. I am in Syracuse, New York, currently 29 and snowing. Yeah. That's why you don't live in the north, right, uh, New Yorker? That's why you don't live upstate. Okay. That's that's the argument there. Sorry well, you don't the want to live downstate because the city people are cray-cray. Yeah, but I'm from Long Island. so like it's That's true. Little, I, do, I don't tough. have a problem with Long Island people. Yeah, Long Island's fine. I mean, the winters get a little tough, but like you still have... 
you're not looking at Syracuse type weather. So the North has no issues. I go. Don't bring them into this. All right, ECU, Tulane, because uh, we would go on a mad off rant. We yeah, we're, we're off that. the rails already. Um, How much time we got? ECU, Tulane, Sunday at two o'clock, guys. I am urging Pirate Nation. I know you love your baseball, okay? But Sunday's weather, guys, 47 is the high, 30 is the low. 1 o'clock first pitch, correct, for Ryder? Yeah, we'll, we'll have wrapped up the series at that point, too. Be up 2-0, going There's for sweep. You can follow that along in Minji's. 53 more baseball games after Sunday. <laughs> Good God. East Carolina only has three more home basketball games. 2 o'clock on Sunday, ECU has the chance to do some historic things. They have the chance to win their third trade game, which we talked about all season. Is never, it never comes to fruition, but they have the chance Don't for the first time to win their third straight American game since entering the league. They have the chance to get above 500 in league play for the first time since entering the league in late February. They have the first time to win seven or more conference games. Show up to Minji's Coliseum. On Sunday, 2 o'clock, Philip, back me up here because my voice is about to go. Why should the people be in Minji's on Sunday? Because history could be made. And, you know, this basketball program has really come back from many things this year that made it look like the season's over. And I think if they can win this game, they can beat a high-powered offense like Tulane, and they can contain a team who's already put up 88, or sorry, 98 times this year then it proves that this team stands a chance to make a run in a conference tournament where anybody in this league is beatable. Memphis, nobody's scared of Memphis anymore. They lost at North Texas the other day. The last North night. Texas that ECU, yeah, last night, the North Texas that ECU should have beat. We can win this conference. Coach Swartz's team can do what Kim McNeil's team did last year. But in order to have that confidence, they got to win this game. You know they what? need to prove they can beat the high-powered teams. I know Tulane is four and six in the standing, or four and eight in the standings. They're below us, but I think they are a much better team than their record shows. I agree with Philip so much. So I'll be there Sunday. I will not be at the baseball game. I will be in Minji's Coliseum in the Crow's Nest. And now I will be at the baseball game, but it's fake just fan. because I have to be. No nope, fake fan. Uh, Casey Romaley, it's his birthday weekend. I told him he could cover what he wants to cover. See, the guy who got to choose chose basketball. All the more reason exactly. to choose basketball. So get some Minji's costume. And honestly, EC is going to beat Ryder so fast, I'm going to be able to get over for Bingo. the end. Bingo. Run rule. And I'll be able to see. They don't have that at a conference. Good try. They're going to, ECU's really? going to get up by so much. They're going to have to. It'll They're be a, implement it. It'll be a run rule in their mind, and it'll just go meekly into the afternoon. All right, we got to get a break in. We'll come back. we got to talk about ECU baseball because it is opening day for the Pirates. We'll preview Ryder a little bit. I'll give you some inside scoop on the lineup. We'll talk about some history potentially being made with one Parker Bird. We'll discuss that and more. This is Hoist the Colors on Friday. What's happening, man? What's happening? Tell me. Every ECU fan's one stop for all things ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back. Hoist the Colors on this Friday, February 16th edition. Opening day edition. I've been screaming about it all week, so my voice has left me. Don't talk to me today at the stadium, please. Not because I don't want to talk to you, no, but because I don't do. want to have to strain to talk. Please do. <laughs> Just wave, and I'll wave back. I was actually, I took, you got a sight. I took sign language in high school, so maybe I can do that. I took sign language in uh, college. Oh, really? Two classes, yeah. Oh, maybe we can have a conversation for our Next audience. show, full sign. 
Um, something we didn't talk about before we get into baseball, guys. How about the football team's dance performance last night, Joe? You know a few of those guys. I know all of those guys. What? It, how would you first off grade if you, if you haven't seen it yet? Check it out social media. I think it's we have it on our Hoist the Colors. Yeah, ECU football put it out too. Um, how would you grade their performance? You know, I said it on Twitter, and I'll say it again. It's a good thing most of those guys are going to stick to helmets and shoulder pads because I, I love my boys to death. Shane Calhoun giving us a little taste, maybe at a new touchdown dance. I texted him a little bit. He said, "Yes, I'm going to get in the end zone more than two times this year." And I'm going to dance more than two times this year. And I said, hell yeah, Shane, let's do it. But, you know, Big Tay was getting into it. That's a very large man moving the way he moved. Kind of concerning, considering some of the things I've seen him do on the football field, that he's that mobile and moves that well. But you can't teach it. You can't teach hips like that. Do we know how much practice went into this? I have to imagine weeks for a minute and a half dance. Yeah, like they was it was choreographed, so they yeah, like, it had they, to have been they had an idea multiple weeks. Let me see. I'll, I'll ask yeah, some sources. Ask some sources. See how long. Shane Cohen. Uh, figure out <laughs> big moves. And uh, also, I like that some of the transfers were in there. Yeah, you know, team camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Like it takes some guts to get out there and do it that. It does. Yeah, so, Rajay Harris out there. Javis yep. Bond doing a backflip. Yeah, I think it was him and maybe one of the DBs. That yeah, one, one of the DBs. Uh, Andrew Wilson Lamp, yeah, perhaps. I think yep, it might so have been Lamp. Good stuff. Check that out. That was that was fun to see. It, just a fun night, Minji's man. It like, was very fun night. The Minji's. run in the first half, they went on a seventeen-two run. It was like this is it's basketball. Club chaos was club was chaos going. was the worst part of the game. It was going. <laughs> there I was go three people in had the stand. Fired up. Ah, will we get club chaos at baseball? There is LED lights coming to Clark Leclerc. <laughs> Put them in the jungle by the Taco Bell sign. Let's do it. I mean, we just need to take the Taco Bell sign down. By the way, uh, Team Boneyard Crushed Vodka have teamed up for an awesome uh, bottle of vodka. And my dad got one of the 250 this morning. He got 247 out of 250. He also got Shout out. the uh, Sup Crush Orange Vodka bottle. So check that out at the ABC store. And, uh, you know, you can get – I think all the numbered ones for the Team Boneyard Crush are gone, but you can still get – the Pirate Crush bottle, and that will continue to be made available. So awesome stuff there by Sup Dogs, uh, Crush Vodka, and Team Boneyard. All right, guys, let's talk baseball. One of the biggest stories we're monitoring going into the season is Parker Bird, and he is going to get in that bat at some point. You know, Cliff Goblin said, I hope it's today when we met with him on Thursday. Mm-hmm. We got the chance to talk with Parker Bird prior to Thursday's practice. Here's our conversation with the sophomore infielder from Thursday. Parker, what does it mean to you to get ready for opening day like this? I mean, it's great. It's really exciting. You can tell the vibe and the, the uh, atmosphere is really cool today. Uh, I think we're ready and excited, so can't wait. We're talking about the new prosthetic you have now. How's that working out? That's great. I mean, those guys, uh, they're great at what they do, so they uh, got me in the best prosthetic to be in the position I am today, so just very thankful for those guys. Coach told Pirate Nation that you're going to get an at-bat coming up soon, sometime soon. Yes, sir. Well, I'm excited. I'll be ready. Parker, how much work has gone into you know, retooling your swing or your stance just with the prosthetic? And take us through that process. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, definitely a lot of steps, and uh, it's a long journey. But uh, with great coaches like we have here, uh, I mean, they've invested a lot of time, and uh, I've invested a lot of time in the cages as well. But, I mean, just a lot, a lot of moments just preparing to for this season and, uh, I think I think I'm ready, so I uh, can't wait. 
you've had some quabs this preseason. So what's it been like from a confidence standpoint, kind of getting that that you know that swing back and you know kind of getting your confidence up a little bit? Yeah, I mean it was huge just getting back out there with those guys because uh, I mean I've been waiting for a year and a half and there's been a lot of doubts and just wondering what I could do with the new prosthetic and what I won't be able to do. But uh, just getting those quabs and just knowing that hey I'm still a hitter that uh, it just kind of comes natural to me that I'm, I'm still here. So. As a baseball guy, I know this is the passion, so how, how great has it been to get back on the field? I mean, it's great. Uh, I mean, like I said, I've been working really hard for this moment. Uh, I mean, the support I've had with my teammates, this community here, uh, back home in Laurenburg. Uh, just glad that I'm back out and uh, hopefully making everybody proud. So. Does the does the dirt feel better and the, the grass a little a little greener? Yeah, I'm definitely more grateful for the opportunity. Uh, don't take each day for granted and know that it's a blessing to be back out here. So uh, it's definitely a different feeling being out here, but I'm just blessed to be here. So have you visualized what it's going to be like coming out here at Clark Leclerc? Uh Yeah, I think it's going to go crazy. So uh, can't wait to see the fans out here tomorrow. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a cool moment for sure. Parker, I know y'all are big on focusing on yourselves, uh, but what do you know about this rider team to see this weekend? Uh, that some of them have mono. Uh, that's about it. But, I mean, we'll be ready. And uh, with the uh, team meetings we'll have, we'll be prepared for whatever they have coming our way. Good what is uh, what has Coach Godwin told you as far as you know expectations? Is always to be ready to pinch hit or just yeah, go in or something like that? yeah, definitely. Just some pinch hit rolls here and there, wherever I can do to help the team win this year. Uh, I'm down to do it, but I uh, really just focus on hitting in this year, and then hopefully as years go, uh, more and more on my roll. But uh, just whatever I can do to help the team win. When you get that first at bat, like is it going to be hard to control the emotions? How do you try and block that out? Uh, I think just focusing on the moment, uh, just doing our mental routines and uh, a bunch of breathing, but uh, I think I'll be ready, and I think I'll be able to uh, tone out the distraction for a little bit, but I think it'll definitely bring a smile to my face for sure. Alright, there is Parker Bird talking again prior to Thursday's practice, and He's on the active roster, of course, lost his leg in a serious boating accident in the summer of 2022. It's, it's, we're less than two years removed from that, yeah. Joe, and it's just remarkable that, I mean, he got multiple hits in the preseason. Cliff Goblin said he's treated like every other player. He wants it that way, but mm-hmm. he's going to get in that bat. I think he's going to get a hit this year and it'll go viral, I'm sure, but it's going to be a pretty incredible story. And, and to our knowledge, According to Parker, the, the research he's done, no one has ever uh, participated in Division One college baseball game as a, a as a leg amputee. So it's going to be a historic moment for sure. I hope he hits a dinger his first at bat and gets to touch them all. I the moment for everything he's worked for, the the chance for him to just prove every naysayer wrong. He's the most positive person I've ever met, and I'm something of an extreme optimist. It's what teammates have told me in the past. He has never had a frown on his face in any instance I've met him. The work he's put in the weight room at Young's with the PTs, with the trainers, he's an incredible story, and I'm extremely excited just to see him get an opportunity to kind of do what he does and get a a sense of normalcy, so to speak, considering that life-changing incident, and I'm very happy for Parker to get this chance. And, Philip, I feel like in in many ways this this whole situation has brought the team closer together. You know, he was around the team last year, wasn't on the active roster this year, of course, on the active roster. But it just feels like this team is just extra tight. And 
you know, not that they're like using the situation for that, but it's just, I don't know, it seems like everybody's all rowing in one direction and they're obviously all pulling for Parker. So it's just, a, it's going to be a feel good story for sure. Yeah, you know, Joe can kind of account to this, especially, I shouldn't say kind, he can definitely account to there's a different bond among teammates. When you've gone through everything that you go through, especially in the preseason with somebody, there's an extra bond, not saying that we don't love our other friends that we've met in other parts of our lives, but when a teammate goes through something like that, you go through it secondhand. Yeah, obviously none of us can ever relate to what Parker's been through. Um, but when you see a guy who, now obviously he had not been here long when this happened. It's not like this was his junior or senior. You know, he was just a rising freshman. But that bond is there immediately when somebody puts on that pirate uniform. And once he became part of this team and then he went through it, they all went through it secondhand with him. They were in the hospital visiting him every day, and to Joe's point, he always had a smile on his face. I'm sure there was some stuff behind closed doors with his family, you know, that was tough. I mean, how could it not be? But he showed them that positivity, and he immediately said when he was laying in the hospital bed, like, I'm going to play college baseball. And how does that not motivate you as a teammate to go out there and not make excuses when it hurts or when coach is making you run until you puke? Or when you're in a hitting slump. Because if this guy, who's still, before he even knew whether or not he was going to have to have his leg amputated, was already like, even if it happens, I'm going to play college baseball, then what mm-hmm. excuses do you have to make? And that has really brought this team together. It's an awesome story. And looking forward to Parker. It would be great if, if East Carolina could get him in that bat this weekend. We'll see how the games play out. But it'll be a historic moment, that's for sure. All right, lineup news. I'm hearing from sources. Breaking. We've got a leadoff hitter, potentially. Riley Johnson is going to get the start in center and hit leadoff. After that, I don't know. But that's what, I, <laughs> that's what I've heard. Two through nine and to be we, determined. We made our lineup predictions on yesterday's show. You know, things could always change. Maybe Riley hits lower, but I feel pretty confident he's going to be hitting leadoff and playing in center field. And he's had a great preseason. Joe, are you looking forward to seeing lineup? I feel like as a baseball fan, man, I love baseball. lineup card number one. There's nothing like it. There's nothing sweeter. Uh, considering everything that happened with Riley last season and shoulder popping out four or five times and tearing his labrum and still hitting a homer and a pinch hit at bat, I'm extremely excited to see he's the first guy to kind of carry the torch and, and start things off and get on base and immediately steal as soon as he gets on to first because that's that's what's going to happen. That catcher just better be ready at Ryder. I'm really excited just for baseball. Everybody always says baseball's a dying game. Baseball's the greatest game there is. I have watched probably, I think I did a number count, 154 baseball games in the last year between. Um, you counted? Yeah, hell yeah. Between majors and college baseball. I love it. I think the nuances and the subtlety of pitching differences and tipping pitches and how base hits are. May not be like a chopper to third base, but like just gets over the head of the third baseman. They get on base, they can change a whole game. I, I love baseball. I cannot talk enough. Joey baseball or Joey football? What do we need to call you? I think it changes as far as seasons go. So maybe it'll be Joey baseball until spring ball hits, and then it's back to Joey football. I think the passion is there more for Joey baseball. Yeah, the I love knowledge. Baseball. Is there more for Joey football just because you've never played baseball at that high level? Not saying you don't know it, but like he's saying you're it, not. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible for you to know as much about baseball as you do football. I did have a chance where I could have played both sports at Concord, 
the Division Two up in West Virginia, so I did have a little bit to my game, but I am indeed Joey Football as far as my experience goes. I uh, I love baseball too. Grew up playing it. First love. And you know, I, I covered the NFL, I covered the Panthers for like three or four years, and I got a taste of what that's like behind the scenes. Not that it turned me off, but like in covering. College sports is cool, but there's nothing like being a fan of nothing the Seattle like Mariners or Major League Baseball for me. So, like, that's where I get my most fandom because I can still enjoy it as a fan and get yeah. really mad and lose my voice. <laughs> Passion. And uh, things like that. Yeah, you know, when you're covering a team, you can't get passionate and I you got to stay level headed. You have to get level headed and understand things. With the Yankees, like, I don't have to care if it was a smart move by Booney to pull a guy in the seventh because he was at like 48 pitches. I can be pissed. Because we lost that game. If it's ECU baseball, like I understand what Cliff was thinking and where that game was going, where it is. You don't have to be an analyst when you're a fan, and that's what makes baseball so special. Is there's so much to analyze that you still can be a fan. All right, we got to get a break in. When we come back, speaking of being a fan, I have to pick a NASCAR driver to be a fan of, and I have no clue who I'm going to pick, what direction I'm going to go in. I may not even have a favorite driver by the end of the show, but my goal is to pick a favorite driver by the start of the Daytona 500. And hopefully by the end of the show, the guys will help me with that. They know a lot more NASCAR than I do. We'll discuss that and more on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Friday. I go back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo. Drink up me, Aussie Joe Ho. 194.3, the game. Welcome back in, Hoist the Colors. <clears throat> it's opening day for ECU baseball. We talk Pirate Baseball. We talk ECU's win over Wichita State. Get to Minji's Coliseum. I've been screaming for the past 40 minutes. Get to Minji's. I've lost my voice. On Sunday at 2 o'clock, they have a chance to make history. Tulane, get there, support the guys. There's 53 more baseball games after Sunday. You can follow baseball. You can catch the first hour of baseball, then walk over to Minji's. You can go back and forth at halftime. You can do what you want, but get to Minji's on Sunday and support this team against Tulane. All right, Joey Football is here. Joey NASCAR, Joey NASCAR is here. He's got a Daytona 500 shirt. Got it all out of you. What do you not have a shirt of? Is like, I mean, first off, things. how deep is your closet? Probably cricket. I don't know if he has any cricket apparel. Like every everything we talk about on Friday, not traditional you have a shirt cricket. For John Boy Media did have a cricket league, and I do have a shirt for that. But that was a gag gift from a buddy of mine for Christmas. John Boy oh, Media sent me. A Houston Trastros shirt one time, unprompted. That's awesome. Like it just arrived in the mail. I have no idea how they Talking got. Marks. I have no idea how they got my address. But that must they, be like with the Iowa book you get every year. Yeah, like I just, I, I probably tweeted about how much I hate the Astros, and one day I got. Don't we all? A Trastros shirt. I need to find that so I can wear that in on opening day. Phil, do you do you share in our hatred of the Astros now that Cora is your uh, mastermind puppeteer? I mean, don't be wrong. I hate them, but. For the reason everybody else hates them, like the Sox did it too. Maybe not to that level. So I can't sit here and be like, oh, the Astros this, the Astros that. When you're a Red Sox fan, you kind of got to just shut up and stay in the corner. Honestly. Fair enough. Just, just a question. Yeah. We'll sidetrack it. All right, boys. It's time for our NASCAR segment. <clears throat> Should we go Daytona 500 preview first, and then I'll pick a favorite driver? Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. probably the best thing. All right, give me your you know, Daytona Anybody can win, right? I mean, essentially, yeah. obviously there's going to be favorites, but it's but a pretty wide open race. You're also so early in the season that guys don't necessarily know the setup or how the car is going to kind of run. 
and the clash is the biggest waste of time that any true NASCAR fan is going to get into. We're racing around the Coliseum in basically a shopping cart going around supermarket aisles. So that that's its own problem, and uh, we'll get to that, and Philip will back me up on that. Well, the great thing is that was the last year in the Coliseum. Yeah, thank God. When I first heard about it, I was like, okay, like this is interesting. And then I found out it was the new cars and extended, and I was like, this is terrible. Almost as bad as the Chicago Street Series. We digress. Daytona is so wide open as far as the tracks go. It's a bank track, but it's not necessarily full bank on the straightaways. There's so much history to it, but it's a longer track. So there are guys that can kind of go in and out as far as bump drafts and things like that. So you don't necessarily know who's going to win before it. It's not one of those races you can be like, this guy is such a, a strong strength to the shorter track or the longer track. It really is anybody's race. And if you win Daytona, you become a legend. So, Philip, what, what are you looking for this weekend? Do you have a favorite or a group of favorites? What are your expectations for Sunday? Yeah, well, in order to win the race at Daytona, you have to remember, in order for one to finish first, first, one must finish. Yeah. There's a lot of wrecks. you got to be lucky. you got to survive the wrecks. Um, I, You know, there's guys who are better super speedway racers, and mm-hmm. we know who those guys are. If you care enough to know, if you don't, then you probably don't care about NASCAR, and you've probably already turned us off in this segment, so there's that. Um, Hold on, let me turn it off. <laughs> no, 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 you're in now. Yeah, you're in you're now. You're involved. He was watching qualifying the other night for seven minutes. Seven minutes I watched qualifying. But, um, wow. My favorite is going to be Brad Keselowski. He's the guy who's won seven yeah. super speedway races, highest active driver in super speedway wins. Uh, hasn't won at Daytona since 2016, but he has never won the Daytona 500. Of course, he did win a dual race two years ago, I believe. It was either last year or the year before, but no, not a points-paying race at Daytona. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see when they run it and uh, how will changing from day to night, if they do start it in the, you know, in the afternoon hours, mm-hmm. how that can affect the handling of the cars. So... Or if they run it Monday or, you know, who knows when they run this thing because of uh, good old Mother Nature being the jerk that she is. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's a holy weekend. So, Daytona 500, it's, I mean, you cannot be a NASCAR fan to watch it and be entertained is is basically. I love hearing that coming out of your mouth. I mean, because, like, I watched the Daytona 500. And I've watched in the past. I'm like, this is quality entertainment. Well, it's yeah, crazy. there's always a battle for the lead. That's the thing. It's, yeah. it's pack racing. Everybody mm-hmm. stays together. You're two and three wide at all times. Mm-hmm. There's always a battle for the lead. And if one guy gets turned, you're wiping Everybody. out minimum, like, six cars, maximum, like, 20. So, it's not, you know, sometimes you watch races and it's like watching luggage on the conveyor belt at the airport that doesn't happen in daytona wasn't it uh 2018 i think it was when like 17 of the cars got wrecked on i want to say second to last lap like stage three yeah something like that was that. beautiful yeah. it was just a train wreck all right let's do this guys let's do it i've got to pick a favorite nascar driver should we should we let you pick last should we like announce fandoms i think yeah yeah y'all y'all give me y'all's okay. uh y'all's fandoms and i'll just see what y'all say philip you want to go first yeah, this is this is your wheelhouse. All right. Well, I'm not going to take up a lot of time because we need to go. But I'm a William Byron fan. I needed a guy when Junior was retired, and that was when he was coming up. He's also from Charlotte, like I am, so uh, that's who I went with. And uh, he had a heck of a year last year. Career high six wins, made his first championship four. Looking to build on that this year. Joseph. So my dad worked in auto parts for like 25 some years. So NASCAR has been in my. Family's household ever since we were living up north, which is not the norm considering it's from the Bible Belt. Uh, we were Tony Stewart fans. We were Dale Jr. fans, obviously so. And when both of them left, I was in a little bit of a crossroads. And that's where Martin Truix took my fandom by storm. The only downside to Truix is he does drive a Toyota. 
but I love that Bass Pro car. And then Kyle Larson, a couple of my buddies work for Hendrick directly, have a chance to uh, meet him. He's a great guy. So I root for Larson, and I root for Martin Truix. All right, we got a couple of comments as well. John Moody says two words for you, melon man. Is that Ross Chastain? It is. It the is ninth indeed. generation watermelon farmer, Ross Chastain. So is hey, he you're learning, I go. I'm proud. Is he, uh, <laughs> is he good? Yeah, I mean, he's solid. Yeah, he's, he made the, he's made it to a championship yeah. four uh, appearance. He had a couple wins last year. He smashes a watermelon every time he wins a race. Yeah, he's good. So, so that's entertaining. Uh, Chastain, the one that went on the wall, or was that? Uh, yeah, in, t- in twenty twenty two, he made his only championship yeah. four appearance by riding the wall. They called it the Hell Melon mm-hmm. at Martinsville. He never <laughs> we'll, braked. He we'll just slammed into the wall in the last lap to pass. Like it was cars. a video game. Yeah. What does uh, what does Melon Man drive, or who does he race for? Uh, he races uh, for he, Pitbull. Is one of yep. the uh, minority Pitbull. owners for the team. Mm-hmm. He drives the number one car. Uh, Anheuser Busch is one of their big sponsors this year. Just jumped think, on the car. Like who the team or the team owner is? Though. Trackhouse. Uh, is it Trackhouse? Tra- yeah, it's Trackhouse Racing. I just can't think yeah. of the guy's name. I'm drawing a blank. I also have to give a shout out to my fellow Paisano, Joey Logano, in the Penske car. Yeah. Nicholas Priest says if they don't suggest Carl Larson. And they don't know anything about NASCAR. Put the guy in anything, and he'll run up front. Is he? I, I said it. Is he too good though? Like I don't want to he's, be a front runner. He's not necessarily. He's a front runner, but he's not necessarily one of those ones where like it's so. Well, there's nobody that's that more yeah. dominant right now. I mean, there's you no put him dominant. on dirt. No, he's going to be good. He's going to run the Indy 500 just, this year and try and do the double. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy's a phenomenal. He's racer. just a racer. Just so, like a motorhead. And his wife shotguns a beer every time he wins a race in victory lane. She can shotgun it better than any of us ECU grads. Champion. So I wanted to try and stick with Penske because that's what Rusty Wallace was when I uh, raced him. But the problem is Ryan Blaney, who drives for Penske, he won the championship last year. I can't pull for a guy who just won the championship. That's right? understandable. We we could give you like half a pass because you did have a fandom to like grandfather right. win. Yeah. And he was not the favorite to win. But he kind of got a little yeah, lucky, him, right? Him there. winning was, he didn't win a single playoff race. It was just like a culmination of him like finding a way into the championship race. And then, obviously, the rest is history for that regard. But it's not like he was like the Warriors that went 73-9 and you're deciding to be a Golden State fan. Okay, like, so he it was would like, be a fair pick. Yeah, it was like an underdog pick. Your grandfather into Penske. I, I would allow it, obviously. Our resident yeah, no, I would allow it. I mean, no one say he was like an underdog pick. It wasn't like he was the last no, guy yeah. in the litter, but, but he, I mean, he, he was, was in the, the slew of guys odds. in the middle. Um, I don't think yeah. I can pick Joey Logano. Yeah, Joey's Fighting too old if you're getting in and you want a new fan. Yeah. Also, Joey's That's a fair. jerk. Yeah, a lot of people don't like Logano. Like, there's some names here I recognize. You mentioned Truex, like Denny Hamlin was racing when I was in Keselowski. I kind of got behind, but he's older now. Listen, I was a Denny Hamlin guy through and through, and then he started doing the whole, I'm your favorite driver's favorite driver, or I just beat your favorite driver, and he, he went full crybaby on me. I can't do it. He was fun to watch early on when he was, like, first coming up with the FedEx car, and then now I'm just kind of like, He's okay. full heel. In yeah, he's, he's full heel, and I respect him for it. You need the villain, but also... Somebody mentioned Justin Marks. Who is Justin Marks? Uh, he is the oh of Trackhouse Racing. Yeah, that's who yeah. I was. Oh, okay. Uh, the mind gotcha. that was not. That's the guy who owns. So that's uh, not a racer. With, no, with Pitbull that no, owns he's Chastain. The, he's car. the other owner of Trackhouse. Thank you for reminding me. All right, Thank so you to that viewer. Chase Elliott, another popular driver. He's coming off a horrible year, but he's probably too popular for me to pick. Right? He is NASCAR's most popular driver the last like six, pretty much since Junior retired. So how many yep. years that's been? All right. I'm going to throw out some names here. Tyler Reddick. Y'all just give me a, a quick scatter report. 
Is Tyler Reddick any good? Young guy, up and coming, still hasn't had his breakout year yet, but is yeah. a championship contender. Uh, won the first dual race last night. He will start third on Sunday's event. I was about to say he did. Win Drives the dual, for right? Michael Jordan. Yeah, he's he's in the twenty three eleven car. Uh, him, Jordan, or Jordan and Denny Hamlin own it. Bubba Wallace raced for the same team. Alex Bowman. Any good? Uh, just not Bowman's? much of a personality. He's a good guy, but he's just kind of he's bland. Yeah, he's but. Yeah. If you're trying to get in a NASCAR, it's not a good. First. You need some excitement. Yeah. Like he's just like that average like lunch pail guy. Comes in, races, leaves. He won't give you a sound bite. He's not going to fight another driver in pit lane. Like it's just he's just there. He's collecting a paycheck. Any other guys I should consider that are I don't know any y'all's mind um, before we take a could break. Christopher Bell's a young guy who I think is going to have a good breakout year. He's from Norman, Oklahoma. Big Sooners fan. Uh, he drives for Coach Gibbs, who you obviously know. Uh, being a football fan, that's another. I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking young guys. Cendric, right. you could go Cendric. He won at Daytona, but he's been kind of. Well, he was, had a he had a sophomore slump, which is yeah. very very common in NASCAR. My guy Willie B had a terrible sophomore slump, and then decent in his third year, had a breakout year in his fifth year. So you can get on the Cendric, and you can be along for the ride, but he's not going to be making a lot of noise no, right he's, now. He's a, Pins- he's a roller coaster. He's a Penske guy, though. Yeah, he's he a, a Penske. Pens- he drives the two, but I think he's still three or four years away from his breakout season. So if you're along for the long haul, Cendric's a good pick. Philip, I'm blanking. Who's in the three car again? Austin Dillon. It Richard is Austin Childress's Dillon. grandson. Yep. Also, Austin Cindric, um, his dad, Tim Cindric, is like the right hand man at Penske Motorsports. Okay. Is Austin Dillon any good? Eh, he's okay. The only reason he's anybody also knows, like 32, 33 yeah. are. He's going to win one race every two years. You only know Austin Dillon because he's racing in the three car. If he was in like right. 64, you wouldn't give two shakes. All right, let's get our final break in. On the other side, I will have my pick. Maybe. We'll uh, discuss that. Hoist the Colors on a Friday. Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go. How good is this? On 94.3 The Game. All right, it's Hoist the Colors. Got about a minute and a half left. I've ticked my three, my final three. Tyler Reddick. I like the 45 car, guys. I like it a lot. Okay. Austin Cindric. Team Pinsky. But just don't know if he's quite good enough. And Ryan Blaney, who, again, Pinsky, I've got roots there. That's understandable. But I don't want to jump in on a championship guy, but he's not like, he's not, he's probably not the favorite to win this year, right? No, I mean, no, when he won the Coach 600 last year, he was on a 54 race winless streak. Yeah. He was ice, it was like the Nationals winning my type the World guy. Series. It was just a destiny guy. I'm going to roll with Ryan Blaney okay. in the 12 car, the Ford Mustang. Dark Horse for Team Penske. I'm a Ryan Blaney fan, guys, and I am pumped up for the Daytona 500. Let's go, boys, this Sunday, if weather it, permitting. If it finishes Sunday. Weather permitting. Uh, Blaney having to come from the back after his bad wreck last fine. night. That's fine. It's, uh, we, we're we Pirates, baby. I was about to say, where's he even starting? We What's start from in? the back. Uh, fourth. He's going to start fourth, probably. Fourth. So, he, he totaled that car last night. Apologies yeah. to Tyler Reddick. And Austin Cindric. I'll be watching you guys just in case. You know, I, maybe something on Sunday will change me. Maybe. But I'm going in as a Ron Blaney. At least Cindric's still a Pinsky guy. That's your teammate. you got to pull for your guys' teammates yeah, on the side. that is true. You pull for the team. We'll see you all Monday. This has been HTC. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in 